Vaccine hesitancy is becoming a growing concern for the South African government as the country tries to make its way back to pre-COVID times. For South Africans to return to life as we knew it before the pandemic hit our shores in March last year, we will need to reach herd immunity. But so far, only 17% of the South African population has been vaccinated. I'm Catherine Rice, journalist for News24's multimedia department, and this is The Story. This week, we'll delve into the worrying trend of vaccine hesitancy, what it means for our future, and what can be done about it. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard, and uncovered this week. We're talking to Head of the Biomedical Sciences Department at the Cape Peninsula University of Technology, Professor Glenda Davison. Professor, some people seem to have a wait-and-see attitude when it comes to getting vaccinated. What is that about? Is it the misinformation that is out there? And how widespread do you think it is? Good morning, Catherine, and thank you for inviting me to this interview. Yes, it seems that you are correct. Many surveys have been done, and it seems that over 70% of people are very willing to have the vaccine. But when you look at how many actually are registering and going for the vaccine, this drops significantly. So there is obviously a perception out there of wait and see. Let's see how safe this vaccine is. Of course, there are some people, around 5%, who are anti-vaxxers and who are not going to get the vaccine. But I think the issue of those people who want to have the vaccine but are but fearful of it, I think they fear it because they feel that it was developed too quickly, that perhaps not enough Um, trials were done on safety and there are some people that genuinely fear having a vaccine or having a needle so what to do about this I think is more education and to assure those people that all these vaccines that have been approved by our regulator and the FDA have gone through extensive clinical trials How exactly does the vaccine work? Some people are getting infected with COVID-19 once vaccinated, so it doesn't make you immune. But just what are the benefits? Okay, so the vaccine isn't going to eliminate the COVID-19 virus. The virus is still there. We have to know what it means to be fully vaccinated. So if you got the J&J vaccine, that means one dose, And then at least two weeks after that, to allow your body to mount and build up the antibodies to um, fight the virus. And for the Pfizer vaccine, that means two doses, which are about six weeks apart. And again, a two-week period to allow the body to build up the antibodies. So what does happen is if you've had the vaccine today and in the next few days you come into contact with somebody with the virus, it means that you can still contract it. And we do, we've seen that a lot. And I think people are thinking that that is because the, the vaccine isn't working. But the benefits of the vaccine are huge in that 
although there are breakthrough infections, um, uh, as we've discussed, and even after the two weeks, the main benefit is that it prevents severe disease and death. And I think this has been very clearly demonstrated around the world, such as in the UK, where they vaccinated a large percentage of their population. Even though there were a lot of infections with the Delta variant, there were hardly any deaths and hospitalizations. What needs to happen for our country to return to normal? How many people need to be vaccinated before we can reach herd immunity? Okay, so originally, Um, In the uh, first wave, the alpha variant, it was calculated that around 67% of the population needs to be vaccinated to reach what they call herd immunity. However, that is a moving target because as we have seen, we've had the development of new variants. We've had the beta variant and now we have this very contagious delta variant. And so that, um, if you call it end point, has kind of shifted now to 80, 90%. And in fact, reading about it, um, they are actually not sure. And my opinion is that until the world becomes vaccinated and everybody has access to the vaccine, we probably won't get rid of this virus because if there are people to infect, the virus will attack and and infect and continue to replicate. What about severe reactions to the vaccine? Is, is there a big risk of that? There is a very low risk. It's very rare that people will die from the vaccine. But like all medications and vaccines, they are, there is a small percentage of people that develop side effects. And this vaccine, both of them that we are using and others are no different. And But it has been less than 1%, even lower, of people who've developed severe infections. So again, I'd just like to emphasize your chances of getting severely ill and dying by getting COVID itself is far greater than if you take the vaccine. And Glenda, what about immunocompromised people? Should they be getting the vaccine? Here again, I'd say definitely yes. Um, Because immunocompromised people um, have a a compromised immune system. So if they get infected, they can't develop as good an immune response as somebody who has an uncompromised immune system. So the vaccine is certainly going to assist them in mounting that immune response to prevent that severe disease and hospitalization. And in fact, in preparation for this, Catherine, I was doing a bit of reading and in America and in England now, they are looking at giving boosters particularly to immunocompromised people, because they found that it is this group that because of their immunocompromisation, they can't amount uh, that big immune response. And in fact, are thinking of giving them a booster so that they can um, mount that immune response to prevent uh, infection. So the answer, the simple answer is, is yes. What do you think the government should be doing to encourage people to vaccinate? Um, Should we be having a lot more educational campaigns? Yes, very definitely. 
and I think credible um, education campaigns that is in all languages. You know, I think um, some people in rural areas and um, who don't speak English are probably not getting the correct information or information that they trust. So they would rather um, listen to a friend or a, a person in the community. And I'm not saying that they don't know, but I think that the government should drive a really good education campaign in all our official languages and in areas where people don't perhaps have access to television and the internet. I think the other side is removing barriers to vaccination. I think a lot of people aren't registering because perhaps they don't know how or they can't, they don't have a cell phone. So perhaps there needs to be more of a drive to actually go into communities and go door to door and help people to, to register. The other thing is to make those vaccine sites in communities so that people don't have to travel to, for example, the CTICC in Cape Town to get their vaccine. They can just walk down the road. Now, I know that is happening a lot, and I'm very um, optimistic that that's going to increase. Um, and I think we have made huge progress with the vaccine drive, but I think a lot more can be done. Thank you so much for your time. That was Professor Glenda Davison, Head of the Biometric Sciences Department at the Cape Peninsula University of Technology. We're now joined by News24 journalist Tabojo Monama. Tabojo, the vaccination campaign started in February, but it isn't really going fast enough. Which age groups are hesitant and what is behind this? So vaccination is open in February for healthcare workers and then it opened up for people aged 60 and above um, and so far it's open for people aged 35 and above um, and in september it's going to open up for uh, 18 year olds to so that will be all of the uh, adult population in the country and in terms of of, of, of hesitancy we are seeing uh, vaccination sites being empty and things like that but i think it's also a bit too early to say which groups are hesitant right because I don't think we have the stats now to say that people in the 35-year 30, uh, age group are not going or people in which age group are not going. I think the research around that is still being done. Uh, but what we are seeing is that the Department of Health has said that they are seeing a problem with men not showing up to vaccination sites. So now they're trying to build campaigns around trying to encourage men to come forward to vaccination sites. And Tabuho, what are some of the myths on social media that have been circul circulating? They really vary from the really ab ab absurd ones like, oh, then they're going to, if you get the vaccine, you're going to be tracked. Uh, there is a magnetic tracker in the vaccine. So there's a variety of ones. Um, so they move, there's also like the religious ones. Uh, where people are like, oh no, this is this was said in the Bible, in Revelations and things like that, that this is the sign of the beast, so you mustn't get vaccinated. So it's it's, it's just a lot of a variety of, of, of reasons. But I mean, the most interesting thing is that even when you counter those myths with scientific reporting, with all of those things, they still refuse to move from their position. They are just not budging. It's just, it's really bad. And, and in your reporting on this topic, have you been able to get a sense of how doctors are experiencing our third wave in terms of treating patients who haven't been vaccinated? 
I mean, the third wave has been uh, the most brutal wave we've had so far. Uh, we did a story last last week speaking to uh, a viral a virologist uh, from that university dr claire cutland and i mean even though she doesn't work in, in in hospitals she has colleagues who work in hospitals and she's saying they are starting to say to see to see patients who say i wish i had gotten vaccinated i wish that i had gotten the vaccine i mean and sometimes it's not because people did not want to get vaccinated it's because we did not have enough vaccines or it wasn't open to the age groups and things like that. Uh, that's why they're showing this remorse. But I think the message is that as the weeks go by, we're going to see uh, more people in, in, in ICUs showing regret that they didn't get vaccinated when they had the chance to do so. Do you think that vaccines should be mandatory in South Africa and also whether employers should be able to force employees to be vaccinated? Look, I think that's going to be a very tricky one. Um, I think that's one thing that uh, companies and employers are going to have to... We're going to see them going to court over this issue in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months. Because the issue is this, in the Constitution, everyone has rights, right? You have the right to uh, religious freedom and bodily integrity. So you can say that I don't want to get medical attention or medical uh, help or the vaccine because it's against my religious rights and, it's like, and I want to maintain my bodily integrity. But I also, as your colleague, have a right uh, to freedom of life, right? And if you are going to then be spreading COVID-19, uh, putting my life in danger, if I have comorbidities and things like that, it's going to be very hard. And so the Department of Labor released recommendations around vaccination in the workplace and they're saying that if someone doesn't want to get vaccinated right you must take them for counseling explain why it's important to get vaccinated and then if they still do not want to do that you must try and accommodate them in the workplace so some of the accommodations would mean the person must work from home if they can work from home they must work in a in their own office at the uh in their own they must have their own workspace wear masks during office hours and things like that you know sometimes it might be a stretch for employers to be able to do this so we might see people getting fired or getting retrenched because they are not they, because they're refusing to get vaccinated the labor lawyers that we spoke to last week said we are likely to see all of these cases going to court very soon and uh, the south african human rights commission has also said that they have received complaints from people who are saying that their employers are forcing them to to vaccinate so i think the courts are likely to be the last people to decide whether it should be mandatory or not. But I mean, to Bohol, the big question is, how do you prove that you've been vaccinated? Um, in other countries, they have introduced an app with a QR code that proves you have been vaccinated. And right now we have nothing like that. Shouldn't the government be doing more to introduce a foolproof vaccination certificate? I mean, I think that is a great idea, but I don't think that it's, it, it should be what we are focusing on right now uh what we should be focusing on more now is saying we have enough vaccines to to last us the whole year people should come out to vaccination sites and the other thing is as as, as much as we might want uh an online system and all of those things i think those will be introduced later on when the take up for the vaccination uh, uh grows but i mean a vaccination card like that we have now i think it works okay you know because we have like for instance when we travel we have those yellow fever uh, vaccination cards those are big and those are cumbersome and all of those things but i mean they still work you know so i think just moving it digitally is just a nice extra
Yeah, the main thing is going to be actually getting the population vaccinated across the board. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was Tabojo Monama, journalist for News24. That's it from us this week. I'm Catherine Rice, and this week's episode was produced with the help of Amy Gibbings. 